The Daily Rios, episode 378, Favorite Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2 Episodes. Hey everyone, this is Peter. Catching up with Star Trek continues. This is a series of episodes where I'm catching up on talking about certain topics that I've dropped off. And uh, just with episode 377, we took a look at season one. With this episode, we're going to take a look at those standout episodes for season two of The Next Generation. This is the dreaded Dr. Catherine Pulaski season. And you know what? Just like how I don't feel like season one is the worst ever, this character is also not the worst ever. If anything, she gave some much-needed internal conflict among the main characters, especially in regards to Picard and his command. Now, this is something that Roddenberry didn't necessarily want. I think we talked about that when we talked about the uh, conspiracy episode for season one, how he didn't want the conflict to come from Starfleet, he didn't want there to be any kind of conflict between the main characters. But, you know, she's not always the devil's advocate. She's not always confrontational. It just was nice to have a hint of the dynamic um, that was prevalent in the character of Dr. Bones in the original series. And it's no secret that Pulaski was created as, uh, as, a, as a Dr. Bones-type character. Honestly, I found her character... T- to be refreshing and much needed. Uh, Maybe back in 1988, 1989, when I was around 16, the age was, uh, you know, the age of the character was troubling to me. Uh, I was a little bit off-putting. But now, looking back, I see what she brought to this season. And she knew as an actress that she was only going to be around for one season. You know, her agenda against Data was a little much at times, but again, it was nice to see a point of view character for questions, for internal questions among the staff and uh, among the conflicts um, that maybe the viewing audience might have had. You know, she was someone that was not always going to uh, follow step by step behind Picard. She was willing to question. And I I have to imagine not only was this fun for the viewing audience, but it was something uh, fun for the writers as well so that they could question certain things, especially considering Data. They could try to examine his place in Starfleet, in the show, uh, in the the universe that he he inhabits, which we'll get to later on this season. It's all good stuff. And come on, you know, Diana Moldauer is a seasoned actress. She's really good. Her two episodes in the original series are wonderful. And she brings a nice gravity on the level of uh, Patrick Stewart in terms of acting, Uh, especially considering that most of the cast are, you know, relative unknowns or at least maybe slightly inexperienced. They have one season under their belt in this series, Um, but it's amazing to see how strong This character just comes right into something that has been around for a year. Now, look, Gates McFadden, not necessarily a strong actress in these early seasons. I can understand why they didn't renew her contract for whatever reasons. Um, But you know what? She was brought back, so everything worked out. The other thing that might um, add a little 
fluctuation to this season is that there was a Writers Guild strike going on. There was uh, also some change within the writing staff of Star Trek Next Generation at this time. A lot of writers made an exodus, uh, but then we got some new ones. So uh, it's a very troubled season for a number of reasons. Now, what we do get is Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan in this season. And it's great how people took to her almost immediately. You know, it's interesting watching her place on various episodes, watching how they use her uh, in certain episodes. Uh, and it and it develops nicely. She's very strong. Now, it's a little hard sometimes to separate the actress out from the character. There are times I feel she's an odd fit acting-wise. She feels a little modern. Um, uh, or I should, say, I should say she feels a little 1980s, late 1980s, when this is supposed to be about the future. But you know what? It's Guinan. Um She's a great addition, and uh, you know, we, there, there's lots to be said about her. Uh, this is the season that Jordy is finally made chief engineer, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff as well that uh, you know I may or may not get into uh, when we talk about the episodes that I enjoyed. Again, not going real deep, just hitting some bullet points and some little facets here and there. This is my list. Here, here we go. My list for my favorite episodes for season two: Elementary, Dear Data. Loud as a Whisper, Unnatural Selection, Matter of Honor, Measure of a Man, Icarus Factor, Q, Q Who, Duh, and The Emissary. All right, let's start with Elementary Dear Data. You are not alive. As I said before, you are only a holographic image, I know. But are you sure? Oh, yes. Does he have life? He's a machine, but is that all he is? No, he is more. Exactly. Is the definition of life cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am? Yes, that is one possible definition. It is the most important one. And for me, the only one that matters. Now, I'm not always a big fan of holodeck episodes, but I was totally okay with this one, and I have to give it up to... uh, uh, to the acting and to the situation at hand. Uh, this is the episode where Jordy and Data uh, create a Holmes, Sherlock Holmes type environment in the holodeck with Pulaski tagging along as a way to uh, put a challenge to Data to see if he is more than just his, um, you know, more than just his android abilities. And we get the character of Moriarty, and not only within the holodeck, but as. Uh, you know, an antagonist to the entire Star Trek, uh, entire Enterprise crew. Um, Data is Sherlock, uh, Geordi is Watson, of course. And the wording of how they set up this program um, um, that Geordi says to the computer that, he's, they, that he wants to create an adversary that could defeat Data. That's how we get this character, Moriarty, who suddenly, even though he's a holodeck creation, has more awareness than he really should, and he takes over the ship, um, and he has some philosophical conversations with Pulaski and Picard and Data. Uh, it's great. It's it's really just a great episode. Uh, it's capped off early on. Geordi says to Data, look, it's human nature to love what we don't have, and that's kind of like the setup of the whole series. Um, we will see this character again. 
we get to see uh, Brent Spiner as Data. With We get to see him show off his acting chops is basically what I wanted to say. Um, he is a character actor uh, even before he uh, was on Star Trek. So to see him embody Sherlock Holmes is uh, quite fun. Who is Reva? I am Reva. Be at ease. I commend you both. To come here proves not only your courage, but your wisdom. Please, give this conference a chance. I have no magic. You have been fighting all your lives. You have known only... No, no, never, never! Death first! Reva! Then we turn to episode five, Loud as a Whisper. And this is the one with the character of Riva, played by Howie Siago, who is a deaf ambassador. And he has a chorus of uh, translators, but they get killed on an away mission. And the whole episode is about communication. Data starts to learn American Sign Language, and uh, or Sign Language, I should say. And he's able to communicate with Riva, and the whole thing is about how to mediate when the two sides um, don't understand each other, but don't understand the mediator as well. Uh, I just found it to be very touching. And my roommate, who knows American Sign Language, happened to watch this episode with me and really appreciated its authenticity. The actor who played Riva is deaf in real life, and he brought this idea to the writers, and I thought they handled it, handled it very well. This modification's one way only. If it doesn't work, we won't be able to reverse transport the Doctor back to the planet. Then I'll operate the transporter controls myself. If she's going to be consigned to oblivion, then... Thank you, sir. I'll be monitoring the medical scans. But you'll be able to tell if it's worked by watching the stack. Dr. Pulaski, are you ready? I suppose I am, Captain. Next up, Episode 7, Unnatural Selection, which is uh, a spotlight on Dr. Pulaski. And and really, uh, it has quite a lot of insight into her character, some of it researched by Picard himself. Um, There's a research station that is hit with a virus or something that is causing them to age rapidly, and Pulaski gets caught up in it, and... Um, they have to figure it out by the end. I, really, just what I liked about it, it, it deals with genetics and it deals with um, tinkering with things that maybe they shouldn't be tinkering with. But I just like the acting in it. I thought the acting was really strong. We get uh, Chief O'Brien actually gets a name in this episode. He's been the transporter chief of in the season, but he finally gets at least some of his name in this episode. And it's nice to see an exploration into a character that is new, not only to the viewers, but to the Enterprise crew itself. So in a way, you know, this episode helps uh, so that people don't demonize (laughs) Pulaski too much. You know, we kind of get a little sense of who she is and why she wanted to join the the Enterprise crew. And uh, as I said, I, I thought it was a standout episode. Would you like something easier? Easier. Yes. If Klingon food is too strong for you, perhaps we could get one of the females to breastfeed you. Oh. <laughs> 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 
He is not very attractive, but I will have him. This brings us to episode eight, Matter of Honor. This is the officer exchange program between Starfleet and the Klingons, where Riker goes on to a Klingon ship as its first officer. There's a funny line where he eventually takes over as captain and he says, I'm your captain now, which I thought was kind of a funny line. There's more to the episode in terms of what's going on with um, a strange chemical, uh, you know, agent that is tearing up the Enterprise and possibly the other ship. But there's something about getting into the Klingons once again, getting into their psyche, getting into the way that their ship works, getting into their command. Some interesting stuff from Worf. Uh, Again, anything that any episode that has to do with Klingons, I find that I just have to watch them, uh, you know, uh, intently. I, I just am not distracted in a Klingon episode. The commander is a physical representation of a dream, an idea conceived of by the mind of a man. Its purpose, to serve human needs and interests. It's a collection of neural nets and heuristic algorithms. Its responses dictated by an elaborate software written by a man. Its hardware built by a man. And now, and now a man will shut it off. We jump to episode nine, Measure of a Man, where the rights of the uh, of, of Lieutenant Commander Data are being threatened by a scientist who wants to dismantle him. And then there's a court martial or a trial with Picard and Riker and Data um, and a JAG officer and um, Commander Bruce Maddox, played by Brian Brophy. It's a standout episode because we finally get to cement what data means to Starfleet and to the Enterprise. It's also often seen as the first truly great Next Generation episode by many of the writers and the actors and the viewers. I have to imagine it's because it looks internally and uh, it has high concepts in terms of who we are uh, as a species and what we think of um, other races and what we think of... uh, other beings as property and things like that. It it kind of elevates itself to much of what was going on in the original series in terms of um, taking a a mirror look to humanity. And again, strong, strong acting in this episode. I I was a little... It's interesting that Pulaski doesn't make much of an appearance in this episode, if at all, considering all of her questioning with Data. But, uh, you know, there you go. I had you. Listen, Will... You, you were too young to understand, and I was too hurt to explain. You were never too hurt for anything. She was your mother, but she was my wife. And when she died, all that kept me going was you. You had a strange way of showing it. I came here thinking we could talk this out. But maybe you're right. Maybe I am no father, and you're no son. And this fight is all we have left. Then we go to episode 14, Icarus Factor. This is where Riker gets a promotion to become captain of the ship known as the Ares. And the person bringing the news is his father, Kyle, played by Mitchell Ryan. And uh, Kyle Riker has a past with Dr. Pulaski. Of course, there's some father-son conflicts. There's also something going on with Worf in terms of his anniversary of uh, Ascension, I believe. It's probably one of the most soap opera-y kind of 
episodes. Uh, anytime they bring in family, it starts to get a little soap opera-like. Uh, the music even starts to get a little soap opera-like. And look, you know, when it comes to Riker, it's usually an episode about promotion or power or, uh, you know, uh, Tiana Imzadi, his his Imzadi, or about sex. So we don't get much in the way of a Riker focus episode. Um, uh, you know, beyond these topics, family maybe, but uh, uh, it was a good episode for some reason. I don't know why. It's not a necessarily a great episode. It was just an episode that I found. After I was done watching it, I was like, huh, that, that, was, that was very fulfilling. I liked that. What happened between your people and the Borg? I wasn't there personally. But from what I'm told, they swarmed through our system. And when they left, there was little or nothing left of my people. Guinan, if they were that aggressive... Why didn't the Borg attack? They could have, but they didn't. They don't do that individually. That's not their way. When they decide to come, they're going to come in force. They don't do anything piecemeal. Then the initial encounter was solely for the purpose of gathering information. Yes. How do we reason with them? Let them know that we're not a threat. You don't. At least I've never known anyone who did. We wrap up the episode with the last two episodes, Q Who, which is episode 16, and episode 20, The Emissary. I mean, some of these are no-brainers here. Q Who, we, we see the Borg, we see Guinan almost fight Q. This is the episode, I feel, that could really be looked at as the starting point of what makes the next generation different from the original series. This is the episode that gives it its, it gives it its own voice especially considering that the Borg is one of the very few things that survives the next generation to go on into other series and into movies. It's almost like next generation grew up with this episode. So I love it. I just really love it. And, And it's great to see continuity spring from this episode. There are always options. Oh, are there? Tell me, whatever happened to that wonderful Klingon fatalism of yours? My experiences aboard this ship have taught me most problems have more than one solution. Starfleet hasn't improved you one bit. You're as stubborn as ever. And then the emissary. Come on, I loved Kalar. I loved Susie Plaxon's uh, characterizations of Kalar. I always liked when Susie Plaxon was on any episode as any character. It's a Worf-centric episode. It, it, it's another deep dive into Klingon culture. It'll mean something to later seasons and later Klingon adventures with Worf. Yes, it's a little, it's a little dramatic and a little, little overplayed, but I think the writers quickly knew that they had a goldmine when it came to Worf and what they could do with him. And even though Roddenberry didn't want the Klingons to be uh, a part, a big part of this next generation... You have to bring him in, and they're such fan favorite episodes. So, uh, you know, the emissaries really just a great episode in season two. All right, that's my list. I have Pen Pals, Time Squared, and Peak Performance as kind of like alternates, but then when I looked back at them, um, they didn't quite grab me the same as some of the other ones. But uh, you know, again, I'm not. This isn't a best of list. I'm not trying to find out which episodes are the best which episodes the majority of viewers like and love. 
this is all personal, all personal. So, you know, please let me know what episodes you enjoyed in season two. All right, there you go. Short and sweet. That's been today's episode, uh, The Daily Rios, episode 378. Uh, please drop me a line, Peter at The Daily Rios. Thank you for those people who uh, did a retweet or a like on Twitter. I appreciate that. You can find more information at thedailyrios.com, and I will see you next time.